Jared blinded me with science! Welcome to the Relatively Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Murdoch. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday morning. It is the second day of September. That's right. This is our first ever September podcast. Give it up for us. Yeah. I'm your host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this wonderful podcast is Joseph Nardone. Joe, how you feeling on a Friday? I feel good. Fridays are good. The weather outside, it feels very fallish, which I love. Yeah. Uh, I, got, I got to wear jeans this morning, which is neat. I, I love the fall. It's my favorite, time, my favorite time of the year. What do you usually wear that you said you got to wear jeans today like it was a special occasion? Well, because, well in the summer, I wear shorts. It's hot out. Must be nice. Must be nice. What are you doing this weekend? Any big plans for Labor Day? Uh, no. My, my wife and kids are going to Philadelphia to visit our nephew, and I'm going to stay back to work, and then Sunday night I'll be watching Notre Dame, Texas. They're playing on Sunday night? Yeah, it's, they had to move the game for some reason, and it's actually pretty neat because it'll be the, like the premier game, and it's a pretty big game because Texas is good overall, but uh, they don't really have a quarterback, and then Notre Dame has two quarterbacks, and they're decent otherwise, so like it's going to be really telling for both teams, and I'm a Notre Dame fan, so it'll be really fun. It starts at 7.30, which is a pretty good kick time. Because it'll probably be over by 11, which means I won't lose tons of sleep. That's exciting. Um, That's what I, happens when you get old, by the way. like you, Every sporting event isn't just the sporting event. It's also what time is that event going to be over so I can get the proper amount of sleep. Yeah, dude, I can't even tell you, man. When I was younger and like not even that much younger, like a few years ago, I would like live for Yankee West Coast trips and for the doubleheader of TNT basketball games. Yeah. I don't even catch those games anymore. It's no, you got to pick your spots. You really have to pick your spots. I'm yeah. almost like it's it's tough because now during college basketball season, my life's over because that's what I get paid to cover. So like I am up insane amount of time. And my wife joked last year that we went through more coffee in a four month span than what we did in a five five year span. And uh, because I have like to cover to my job correctly, I have to watch those West Coast games, and some of them weren't ending till like one in the morning. Yeah, I used to live for West Coast Conference basketball starting at eleven o'clock at night, and I don't even make those games anymore. God bless the college football writers, man, because their day starts like the butt crack of dawn on a Saturday and doesn't end till like one in the morning. Yeah, that that was always one of the fun things about working at ESPN for me was college football Saturdays are absolute insanity. I mean, you get there. 9 o'clock in the morning, and you have people that are there until 2, 3 o'clock, maybe depending on what time Hawaii's playing, you're there later. Co- college football's a lot of fun. It's it's not really my favorite sport, not really a sport I follow all that much, but I definitely understand the, the madness behind it and the, the hilarity that ensues. Are there any other games that you're really looking forward to this weekend? Uh, no, like I'm looking forward to like being able to put on my TV and while I'm working, and I have it in the background, and then... Because I don't, like, I'm like you, like, I like college football, I don't love it, and then, like, I like Notre Dame, it's my favorite team, so I, wa- I follow them uh, closely, but the rest of the, the country, like, I watch mostly for fun, and then, like, I'll follow, unlike, like, during basketball season, I try to stay off Twitter because it annoys me, because I hate, because I feel like I'm educated in that topic, so, like, it annoys me when I see bad opinions, but I have no education in college football, so, like, I kind of like to watch Twitter, because they kind of tell me what's going on and what's important. Sure. So it's kind of, it's like, it's good for me. It's one of the few things, sporting events, sporting times, I guess, 
College Football Saturday where I feel like the community of Twitter is kind of awesome and helps me out. That's pretty sweet. How'd you become a North uh, a North Carolina Notre Dame fan? All right, long story short, I grew up, my father's my father's a Penn State fan, right? So when I was a little kid, he used to take me me it was me him his friend who owns a restaurant in a uh, town by us and his son the Penn State games and uh, the best game I ever went to was Charlie Woodson was still playing for Michigan. Uh, my father bought an autograph air quotation marks to get the tickets because you it's illegal to scalp. He got the tickets for free, along with the autograph. We bought it right in front of a cop. Wow. Uh, but he, the cop couldn't arrest him because he bought the autograph from some kid. And the thing, but, So we went to that game. Charles Woodson played awesome. So I was like, wow. And I was still young. So I was like, maybe I like Michigan. And then my, I ended up moving in with my grandparents. My grandfather's a Notre Dame fan. And on Saturdays, and you got to remember, TV back then wasn't exactly what it is now. Notre Dame was on every single week. And so I just saw them every single week, and it just kind of became my team. Plus, Arnez Battle, I don't know if you remember him. He's my yeah. favorite college football player of all time. That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad and not surprised that a relatively obscure player is your favorite college football player of all Dude time. Dude played quarterback, moved to receiver, then stuck in the NFL for like seven seasons as a receiver. Yeah, That's pretty a, impressive. He had an interesting career. I think my favorite college football player ever is probably Peter Warwick. But uh, oh, dude, he was. We used to emulate him, like when we played five. He used to do that thing when he'd run, like when kick and punt returns. He'd run to one side of the field, then all the way back to the other, and then yeah. run all the way up the field for a touchdown. It was so disappointing when he turned out to be a bad pro. Yeah, it was pretty disappointing. Um, that's what happens when you went to the Bengals in the early two thousands. Yes, but yeah. Good you know, that's awesome, man. I'm glad that we got a Peter Warwick reference. In. He was seriously one of my favorite players ever, too. Yeah, I liked him a lot. I mean, I've never had a college football team. It's, it's kind of hard living in New York City. I always say this to, to really have college teams because you don't have a hometown team that you root for. I mean, if you were born in, like, the 80s, maybe you have St. John's basketball, but anybody beyond that, it's kind of hard to really pick a local team in either basketball or football. Well, so. New York's a professional. Like, that's not right. considered, like, a college state sport. Like, it's not like Nebraska or... Um, I think Alabama. I know Oklahoma has Oklahoma City now, but that's still a college football state. Absolutely, absolutely. I think so Pennsylvania is that way as well because there's so many college football here is super popular. So is the NFL, but I think it's and but college basketball is really popular here too. So I think it's a college state. Absolutely, and, and they like how, hockey here for some weird reason. Yeah, good for hockey. Yeah, yes. whatever a slapstick. <laughs> so that's the extent of our college football preview. You're welcome. You're welcome, America. <laughs> yeah, uh, don't come to us for your college football. We'll have college football guests on at some point during the season where they'll drop knowledge. Maybe Kyle Kenson or Alex, I can't pronounce his last name, but he's built like a brick house. Wow. Yeah, dude. dude I can't say his nickname on air. It's ripped to poop, Alex. That's what we call him. I don't even know who you're talking about. Well, he's on. he's on... Today's you as a college football contributor. He's uh, he's really good actually. And, uh, he's just scary because he's like six. I I, I don't I never see him in person. I want to see the pictures. He looks like Gronk. Awesome man, good for you, Alex. I can't pronounce your last name. That, that's Kukola Jibazibski, something like that. <laughs> All right. Well, now that we had a little bit of fun, I think it's time to uh to take a turn and get new a little segments. more serious. We're going to introduce a new segment. Joe and I decided that we can't do the same segments on Friday that we do on Monday. As much as everybody loves bad tweets and absurd questions, it was getting a little stale, and we we like to stay fresh and come up with new ideas here. So we're going to introduce a new segment now. It's 
called That Don't Look Good. Joe, hit the music. It might not be your fault, but maybe it is. Yeah, I think something good. That don't look good. Alright, so talking about college football just now kind of made me want to, to change course and discuss Penn State honoring Joe Paterno in yeah. a couple of weeks, but we have a little bit of time to, to wait on that one. Instead, today for our first ever That Don't Look Good, we're going to talk a little bit about Derek Rose, who has been accused of gang rape and is going on trial October 4th, the first day, I think, of the preseason, a couple weeks before the season starts. But the big picture here is not about Rose, it's not about the Knicks or basketball, it's about this very serious accusation, and this is something that, that's been in the news, but hasn't really been covered as seriously as you would think it is when you find out more details about it. Um, Joe, you want to get a little bit more into this and, and tell us a little bit more about what, what Derek Rose did and why this doesn't look good? Sure. Uh, I, I recommend Lindsay Gibbs is a writer. Um, I recommend checking out her piece. She has a pretty good timeline and all the information and facts you need to know about this. Um, I'm glad Jared pointed out that it really this has been really undercovered for since it's been public. Um, that's on us as media. Um, it's kind of weird how that happens, too, because generally these kind of stories would be at the forefront regardless uh, if there's any kind of uh, actuality or believability to the, the story involved. But, um, yeah, so what's coming out now is all the depositions and Rose's legal team's tactics to um, try to get Jane Doe. That's what the victim's going by now. If you're a really disgusting person, you can kind of figure out who the person is through social media. But um, they don't want her to be able to be uh, anonymous. They want her name to be public. Um, they're also kind of, uh, for a lack of better phrase, they're trying to slut shame her into a reputation of being promiscuous and saying her social media feeds are sexual in nature, uh, all of which is to try to suggest that, I guess, which this is always as horrible, horrible thinking is that they're trying to suggest that, like, you know, She's asking for it, I guess, which is just disgusting. And then there's also the aspect of um, they were in a non-exclusive relationship for a couple of years. Um, Rose is on record saying that, yeah, we I asked her to have three ways multiple times. She always said no. Um, the night that she was uh, allegedly gang raped, her blood alcohol level was like 0.23, which is just... That's Very black, high. That's blackout drunk. Like, you're blacked out. Um, and that's the night that the Rose, on his side, says is consensual. Um, I guess it would be a four-way, considering there was three males. Um, Rose's legal team, like, listen, it doesn't look good what they're trying to do. They're trying to uh, paint her. They're, they're, they're trying to, they're, they're, they're doing the victim smear type t- the tactic. And, Absolutely. Um, the judge was having... Well, I'm glad the judge said what he said. I, I'm going to paraphrase what he said, he's, he, but he's having none of it. It was like, "Hey, we're not going to do this here. We're not going to. We're not going to make the victim. We're not going to make the victim and the alleged victim into more of a victim here. 
It's uh, horrifying logic too. It's doing the. Do you see what she's wearing? She had it coming to her logic, and that's it's just about the worst thing you could do. And to to actually bring that to a court, you know, to to bring that to sound logic, you you have to wonder who's defending him. Like who who told Derek Rose this is a good idea? But this because is the tactic. That this is not an unusual. From what I've been reading up on, this is kind of the tactic used by famous people when alleged. Because their whole thing is like, oh, she's just extorting him. Because he's famous and rich, and all that stuff, and then the, like the smearing of the victim is kind of lawyers' mo whenever defending somebody of a, a high profile, right? And I mean, fortunately, this is one of those things that like public opinion is not going to matter because you're going to find so many basketball fans or pe- people who you know don't care to to read in between the lines and are just going to look at some of the things Derek Rose is putting out there and say, yeah, well, I mean, she is, she is uh, promiscuous, if you want to use a nice word. She is promiscuous. Or, yeah, she probably just wanted to exploit him for money. Or everything you hear when a celebrity gets charged with, with accusations like this or, you know, is in the middle of something like this. We saw it the other day with, with Chris Brown, even. And I don't know the details, and I don't think any of us really know the details, and I obviously don't want to talk about Chris Brown too much on, on my podcast, but... You know, we immediately went and we looked at the woman who was making the accusations and said, well, she seems to be an attention whore. Excuse me for using that word, but, you know, no better way to put it. She seems to be an attention whore. She probably just wants to get Chris Brown in trouble. We can't trust people like this. It's victim blaming immediately just because you don't want to believe someone who you enjoy their, their talent, whether it's as an athlete or as a musician or entertainer, because you believe they can't commit stuff like this. You don't think that you know, that they they would force themselves on people or that they would do something so horrifying. You think that a victim has a motive just to exploit a celebrity, and that kind of thinking is just so scary. Oh, no, you're totally right, and it's weird how we work that way because it, I think it all depends on the athlete or whoever the celebrity, whoever the whole profile person is. Like, if we like them, um, by and large, the benefit of the doubt will be given, and if we don't... Um, that won't happen, and a level of guilt will already be applied. It's just weird because with whenever it comes to women, right? So, like, if a guy tests positive for weed and says he didn't do it, we're like, yeah, whatever, you did it. Like, we just, right off the bat, you did weed. But then when it comes to something like this, it's always, the benefit of the doubt's always given to the athlete, even though the charges are more serious. It's just a weird way how we, we go about justifying our positions. The smaller the crime, the less um, benefit of the doubt we give the athlete. The larger the crime, the more we're like, oh, yeah, there's no way he'd do it because he's an athlete or he's famous or whatever. It's it's this weird thing because just because somebody's a has money or power or whatever doesn't mean they can't abuse it or they can't be horrible people. Um, in fact, it, I, 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 I'd argue, and this isn't necessarily specific to Derrick Rose, because we don't have all the details yet. I just I would just argue somebody with power and money would be more capable to do horrible things because they have those extra tools available to them to make them think they could get away with it. If that's the kind of person they are on the inside, if they're a morally inept person. You know what I mean? So as far as circling back to Derek Rose himself, it's really right now it's really his lawyers that are making him making this look not good because does it look not good or look not well? <laughs> um, it looks bad. It looks it looks wretched. Um, the, he also or, inferred that 
his team inferred that he can't commit rape because he's famous, which is just a whole other bag of donuts. I, I it's it's obviously it's not even early. I wasn't. I almost said it's early in this process. This has actually been going on for a while. Right. It's just now we're getting into where where the depositions and the papers and all this stuff is coming to light, and that Lindsey Gibbs, um, which again you should really read because she'll she was more she's better was better equipped to put it down in a timeline pick fashion, where me and Jared are kind of being a little bit all over the place trying to get our thoughts in order, but um, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out now because uh, I. Th- I I don't know where the public perception on this is going to go. I don't know how the mainstream media is necessarily going to cover it because they haven't yet. They haven't really sat down because I don't want to hear like, oh, like, well, they need to wait before they comment on it. They've commented on far many other things before having any of the information. So uh, I just wonder if this is a situation where a large portion of the, like the mainstream media is just going to ignore it and just wait to see what happens while focusing on, like, the Colin Kaepernick situation instead, or if we're going to give this the attention we'd give when it happened to Kobe Bryant or Ben Roethlisberger or, like you said, the Joe Paterno situation or any other high-magnitude, high, highly horrible situations or alleged situations, or are we just going to continue to pretend, like, as we've had since all the way up until basically yesterday, that... Nothing was going on, and Derrick Rose wasn't being accused of gang rape. Right, and I mean, you've, you've heard rumblings about this. It's been brought up, it's been mentioned, but like you said, it really has been covered the way other stories have by mainstream media. And one of the interesting things I saw yesterday was Julie DeCaro, who is a Chicago-based writer. Uh, she's written about a, a lot of more serious topics in sports, and the vitriol that always comes back to her because she's a woman talking about sports, kind of makes her a little bit more popular than her work, unfortunately. Um, and she tweeted yesterday that she wanted to write about this, but you know they, they were afraid about what the reaction would be to her if she did write about it, because you can't be a woman writing about a famous athlete doing something like committing gang rape. And again, you know, it, it's important to, to state that this is alleged right now, where we're not trying to be unfair to Rose, but the amount of evidence that's come out and just kind of the optics from his point of view look really bad and make him look really bad. And his lack of awareness in all of this seems really horrible. I mean, the worst thing that I read from this yesterday, uh, there was a series of tweets by at Judd Legum, that's L-E-G-U-M, at Judd Legum. And one of them was um, part of Rose's testimony in which he was asked um, if his friends told him why they wanted to go to you know, the, the accuser's home that night and Rose said no and then the follow up was so they just said hey it's the middle of the night let's go over to their house and they never gave you a reason why they wanted to go there to which Rose replies no but we men you can assume and then the, the, the response was I'm sorry and he said I said we men you can assume like we leaving to go over to someone's house at two there's nothing to talk about I mean it's just it's, it's kind of baffling and I mean I don't know if you can give any kind of credit for honesty but like I don't know how he would think that's going to be perceived or how what anybody's supposed to think about that. And, yeah, we're, we're at a point where we don't want to necessarily throw the book at, at Rose right now and we don't want to say he did this because it, it's unfair. But it just doesn't look good, and I don't know how you could really defend him or how you could be 
naive enough to to go the route of saying, well, he's a famous athlete and he's a rich athlete and he's Derrick Rose. How could he do this? It's just it it don't look good. No, that's I mean that's a perfect way to put it. And like I'm glad you qualify it. You put the caveat to like we're not saying Rose is guilty. We're just saying like, hey, we're gonna reserve our judgment until more facts are coming out. But as of this moment, it doesn't look good. Like it just looks very bad. The optics, like you said, are horrible and um even regardless of which way this plays out, I kinda hope the biggest I hope justice is served. Whatever the justice is, whichever area it's supposed to fall, does get served correctly. But I hope like we take the lesson learning, like smearing a victim, however, if, whether that's social media people, whether that's lawyers, whether that's media members, like I mean this goes back to what happened with when Jamie Winston, James Winston was accused. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, man, this is horrible. This is why people who are actually raped or molested or abused in any fashion don't come up. This is why the Penn State stuff went on for 30 years, because people are afraid of the backlash of people that are fanatics. And, like, I tweeted this out yesterday in regards to the Joe Paterno being celebrated this weekend. Like, what a weird time. What a weird person to think. Whatever you think of what Joe Paterno did or didn't know, what a weird time to be brash. Because sports is so unimportant. Like, they really are. Sports, of all the things that happen in life, is, like, way down there with, like, cleaning out your closet in the grand scheme of things. Like, you could like it, but, like, you have this, all these things going on at Penn State just, and, and facts coming out of horrible, horrible details. So instead of being like, you know what, it'd be a good idea if we just don't do it because he's just a football coach. Because that's all he was. And if you're saying, well, we're just honoring him as the football coach, maybe not necessarily the man. It's only sports, dude. Like you're setting, you're 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 putting up a bad look, and and what you're doing is you're you're. It's not even indirectly. You're directly saying like, yeah, all these horrible things happen. We don't care. Sports right. is more important. And right. that's sports, sports matters more than like, the twelve children who were you know were assaulted, who were treated like this. And it, and it has nothing to do with whether or not Joe Paterno knew. It's just bad luck. Like, you're just... You're, you're, you're just saying sports are more important, and they're not. It's it's all these horrible... Like, I like I always like to think that, like, we come, we've come really far as people, and we haven't at all. Like, what social media actually has done is highlighted how, how short, like, how far we haven't traveled, how racism and uh, xenophobia and hatred and uh, how men still look at women is all still like in the stone ages. Like it's just, it's mind boggling to go on, go on Twitter or on Facebook, especially Facebook because of the stupid memes people treat like they're facts and just see what people think. And you're just like, you, you honestly think that like, how could you honestly believe that Joe Paterno getting a statue is okay. Or, I mean, and the fact that Penn State is doing it is just absurd. Like, even if you look at it strictly from a business standpoint, you're like, dude, what are you doing? Nope, like, this wasn't going to... Putting up the statue doesn't help you at all. At all. So I, why bother... Why take, why take this stand when the, op, when, the, when the opposition is molested children? Do you know what I mean? Like, it's just... Oh, man, it's, it's infuriating. I ultimately, I ultimately agree with you. Uh, this is kind of one of those bubble things, though. Now that we're switching over to Joe Paterno briefly, the, Penn State's in a bubble about this, and there, there are so many alumni and so many fans and 
so many people who were associated with Penn State that don't feel any remorse about everything that happened. And obviously, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna go back and dig up the whole you know the whole fiasco that took place a few years ago. Obviously, we're we're talking about it right now. We don't think it's a good look because we we disagree with celebrating Joe Paterno for holding on to this information and for allowing these things to happen where he really was, he was the king of the castle. There's no way he didn't know what was going on. And it's been admitted that he's turned a blind eye to things. And the way everything ended, the way his life ended, the way his tenure at Penn State ended, it's, it's just, it's so overwhelmingly horrible, everything that happened and how clear it is that he played a role in things. And it doesn't matter if he was the person committing these acts, he let them happen and he had the power to stop them because football was more important than everything else. To, to come back to that, I think a lot of Penn State people agree with that. And in terms of business, this is who they're pandering to. They're doing this for them, and, and they couldn't be happier to do it. You know, there'd be protests at Penn State if their fan base felt differently, if their fan base felt like this wasn't deserved, if their fan base felt like Joe Paterno didn't deserve to be celebrated. But they're not able to see beyond, you know, their their immediate what's in front of them, that this this is still being celebrated and it's being allowed. It's It's... It's baffling. I, I kind of can't believe they're doing this and that they're doing this so soon after everything happened. Like, sure, maybe you wait 10 years and people forget a little bit and you say, well, he did all these things for sports. And it's, it's a little easier to digest. But the fact that this is we're not even five years removed from all of this and it's horrifying. It, everything that came out was horrifying. It's, it's so bad. All the Jerry Sandusky stuff just completely changed my, my mind about Penn State. And it, it woke up so many people about football and the way we allow sports to to really hide a lot of horrible things that happen behind sports it just it's it's baffling i can't believe they're doing it i i don't think it's this weekend i think it's the weekend of september 17th oh you could be right it's just weird because i guess other especially southern universities are changing the names of buildings that were former boosters that may have been uh racists yep. or confederates um, that Penn State would relative to the discussion do the exact opposite go like we're not going to move forward and be progressive we're going to just stand firm and honor a guy that is that allowed like allowed something to happen and, I, and like I under, like I no, I don't understand like I know I, I hear the, the argument that the 70s and the 80s and even the early 90s was a different time. And by the time Joe Paterno was old, maybe he was too old. Listen, it's not that hard to be an adult and hear that a kid's being abused and figure out it's wrong, regardless of what era it happened in. Um, circling back to Rose, I don't know how, I'm sorry about the Penn State thing. Um, because I'm in the, like, I, I, I live in Pennsylvania. I'm two hours away from Penn State, but, like, this is... I live in an area where most people are Penn State fans, and it's just, it's a, there, there's, from the people I talk to, there's a divide on the fraternal thing. And some are just like, I just want to move past this. I want this, as a fan, I want that era kind of to be gone. Like, I just, I just want Penn State to move on. I want James Franklin. Whatever happens, happens moving forward. Let's move on with it. And other people are like, no, this is important. Joe Paterno did a lot for football. And it's like, that's back where we go to where sports isn't important. Like, it's just not. Like, I don't... What, what Jared and I do and what you're listening for and every night when we watch basketball or every day we watch football, like, it's supposed to be, like, an outlet for us just to have fun and relax and maybe debate about it. And it's all 
nonsense, and then to treat it as something else, because by putting up the statue, you're 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 treating it as something else because you're spitting in the face of of victims is just it's patently absurd. And uh, I wish I know they can't because it's not their jurisdiction, but I wish like the NCAA or somebody else would just step in and be like, No, you're not doing this, but they can't because that's not their place to tell what universities what statues they can. So right. unless it unless it hurts their attendance or their recruiting, which it won't, um, there's gonna be a Joe Paterno statue and or whatever they're doing a, a celebration of them, and um, we haven't come far as people at all. <laughs> no, we, we haven't. haven't. We we haven't. But to to bring this full circle and, and close out on Rose and talking about you know people possibly being able to step in and, and change things or, or make things better. Where, where do we put Phil Jackson into this equation? Having done, you know, assumingly done research on Rose and his, his legal issues and not just basketball aspects. Where, where does Phil Jackson come into the conversation? Having traded for Derek Rose, knowing he's going through, through this, this legal process, knowing he's hitting trial before the season starts and knowing that, I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to wind up going to jail or what's going to wind up happening, but there's a chance we might not see Derrick Rose play basketball this year. What, what, what do you think about Phil Jackson still making this trade, and what, what does it say about you know, his awareness about his, not, not just his players, but you know, trading for risk and taking on a guy who is a risk on the basketball court, but after all this is coming out, it looks like he might be a bigger risk off the basketball court. Well, I mean, first, let's not use total hindsight here, because... We all knew about the Derrick Rose situation, right, a long time ago. So, like, no, and none of us commented on that aspect of it when the trade was made. Nobody did. Nobody said like, "Hey, he just traded for a dude that might go to jail." Uh, that's not totally true, but it wasn't one of the prevalent thoughts. Well, I mean, it, it, it was an assumed risk. It was known. Yeah, but it wasn't really discussed. Sure. Do you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like a part, the, the bigger part of the conversation was, was Derrick Rose broken? Was Derrick Rose going to be healthy? Was Derrick Rose still a good player? It wasn't. Absolutely. It was all basketball. Yeah, it was all basketball related. Um, so, like, I'm not going to give Phil Jackson a pass. Um, I imagine, and this is an assumption, that he was balancing risk versus reward. And he was like, I could win, like, at the time, I could win today with the Nick fan base by getting a name brand guy deal with the fallout later, and maybe the fallout won't be as bad, and maybe he thought he thinks what we think, which is, man, athletes, this happen to ath- these happen to athletes far too often, maybe this will just blow over, and it'll be a non-story story. Because at that point, it was still a non-story, even though it was happening, it was a non-story. So maybe that's the way he looked at it. Um, I think that leads to another question, though. Does he have a responsibility now to release a statement? Um, to discuss the matters, to discuss where the, he and the Knicks are at regarding all this. Right, and I, I think he does. I mean, the, the stuff that's come out, and it stinks that a lot of it's kind of damage control and being responsive instead of being you know proactive about a lot of this stuff. Um, but this, this does look bad, and he's in New York, and you know the New York media is going to feast on him, and rightfully so, because... All the information that's been coming out lately only makes it look worse and only makes you think we have to pay more attention to this. I mean, we can't be hypocrites here. We've known that Derrick Rose is going through this, but not until yesterday when we found out all this information did we say, holy crap, this is really bad. I mean, there, there were rumblings about it. It was kind of like trying to think of, of something similar. There, there was all that talk about the Des Bryant tape. 
that once you see this Des Bryant tape, you're going to think this guy shouldn't be in the NFL anymore. You knew it was out there, but you didn't know how bad it was. Derrick Rose's situation is similar, where you knew it was bad, but you didn't know how bad it was because we weren't finding out the information besides gang rape. And gang rape sounds terrible, and it's really hard to just, without knowing facts, give somebody the benefit of the doubt when they're attached to something as terrible as gang rape. But I, I do think Phil Jackson kind of has a responsibility now to to make a statement and to to say something about this and to even even if it's just you know damage control for a little bit, even if it's saying we're aware and we are going to let the process play out, you know he, he has to say something because and that's how they could really say what right. you just said because like we alluded to earlier, Derek Rose isn't guilty yet; he's just an alleged perpetrator and. He can't. Phil Jackson can't come out and be like, "This is damning. We're gonna. This is so horrible. We're gonna release Derrick Rose because then if Derrick Rose is innocent, you're just punishing this man, and you're getting and, sued probably. Yeah, and then if it's the other end of the equation, and you're like, "We're gonna stand behind Derrick Rose because we know Derrick's a great guy," and it turns out Derrick did it. Oh my God! Do you know what I mean? So the only thing they can really say, and it's, I'm sure the by the time this podcast comes out, the statement might come out. You know what I mean? Right. Um, just for. For context, it's ten oh one Eastern in the morning. So, but maybe by the time this podcast is out, the statement is out. We're aware of the situation with Derek Rose. Um, we're going to monitor it. As for right now, we're focused on our day to day operations or whatever. But yeah. they need to say something, even if it's only that. And um, man, I, I not that I want to. Sometimes the ugly truths of the world kind of need to be pushed in your face. Even if if it's uncomfortable, I hope this story doesn't get buried because the football's back. Yeah, and it's going to be hard just because you know football is back, and we have heard so little about this, and we're still hearing very little about it through the bigger, you know, sports outlets. It's just kind of we're on Twitter all day long for the most part, and we follow a lot of intelligent people. Shout out to you guys who share information like this. You know, I, I don't know that we would have seen this if we were casual sports fans and i'm sure a lot of casual sports fans aren't seeing this so if there's no social media this isn't a story right just because the way it's been covered and i mean correct and if i'm a sports fan who only follows not bill walton and not sports center and you know mike and mike and stuff i'm not going to hear about it because they're they're not really talking about it no and and they might just feel i mean in fairness to them it's it's a tough thing to discuss because you don't want to make the accused guilty before being guilty and you also don't want to make them innocent before an innocent so it's like a really nuanced um complex discussion being had and like i not to toot our or our, our own horns i think we did a decent enough job just trying to get the information out there which was pretty much our primary goal and just you know that it don't look good it don't look good That's that don't true. look good that don't good the, the the surprising thing to me here is just, you know, being a Knicks fan, obviously, uh, Phil Jackson, you know, was kind of viewed as this guy who was going to be more interested in in off-the-court stuff in terms of the composition of a basketball player and their mental makeup and their approach to the game. And it's surprising to see him take a player who has such a red flag attached to him. And again, you know, we, we've questioned the motive behind trading for Derrick Rose if it was really just to, to make space for next offseason or if it was a you know low-risk, high-reward type of trade, even though I feel like they gave up too much for it to be low-risk. It, it's just it's, it's weird to see a guy like Phil who has always made such an emphasis on personality and mental makeup 
go after a player who has this going on. Nah, I think that's kind of bull. He had Dennis Rodman and Ron Artest, so I mean... He did not have Ron Artest. Oh, he, he did have Ron Artest. He he had Ron, yeah, he had Ron Artest as like the seventh best player on his team. And he had Dennis Rodman, who is such a great basketball player. You know what I mean? Like this, Derrick Rose doesn't have that. He doesn't bring that... He Or at least the last couple of years, he doesn't have that special feature on the court that those other guys had. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not saying Phil only goes for good guys. I mean... Like you, you just brought up a couple of great examples of you know loose cannon players that he's coached, but Derrick Rose isn't that guy. He's he just seems to be in the middle of something that could prove him to be a really terrible person. Well, this goes back to the point where, um, and this isn't exclusive to Phil Jackson by any means. It's when you're, and this goes back to the Penn State bubble thing too. So these guys are in a, a sports bubble, and their job is to win games. And while the NFL draft people will talk about character issues all the time, depending on your abilities as a player, they will get overlooked. Your 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 character flaws, I guess, would get overlooked if you're if you shoot above forty five percent from three. Do you know what I mean? And maybe Derek with Derek Rose, uh, while the majority of normal fans think he's kind of washed, maybe Phil Jackson doesn't. Maybe he thinks. This is worth this risk is worth it, he, this, despite everything, because he thinks Derrick Rose is still going to be good enough, and that yeah. and then sadly that's my, what it, what what it might come down to. Yep, it, it might, it might, and it, again, we're all just going to have to let this play out, both you know, in 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 court and on the basketball court, and I I mean I don't even know there there's no there's no point in me saying I hope this or this happens. It's just a bad situation, and one more time. It don't look good. It don't look good. Nope. Um, all right, we're we're gonna. Skip well, that person, that person who segment, man, that was that was serious. People are probably like, what is what is what happened to our podcast? <laughs> yeah, we did Kaepernick on Monday, and now we're doing that today. And people are probably like, hey, where's your stupid jokes about whatever our stupid jokes are about? <laughs> there it is. We're watering it back down. Thanks, Joe. Dumbing um, it down. That's why I'm here. Jared's here for the the wisdom and the wit and the charm. And I'm here to sing signs in the background. To pour water all over it. Uh, no, but it's it's the type of thing where, you know, we like to talk about sports where, when we have good sports things to talk about. And there just isn't anything more important that's going on in sports right now. Oh, let's be honest. We actually like talking about the stuff happening around sports more than we do about sports itself. Well, yeah, I mean, I think that that's what we say in our show's biography or whatever you call it. I don't think a show could have a biography because it's not a person. But our, our show description, I mean, we're, we're not here... Yeah, yeah, we're not we're not here to to give you X's and O's and stuff. We're we're kind of here to talk about the stuff that's happening around sports, that's affecting sports, and that's affecting sports fans. So, yeah, man. That's How about we... we introduce that other new segment now, <laughs> Joe? <laughs> I don't I don't even know how to go how to lead into it. I'll do it. I'll do the lead. <laughs> so basically, as you alluded to, so Monday shows are still going to be bad tweets and still going to be absurd questions. And we tend to end. We like to end the show on a super silly note. Thus, the absurd questions. Um, but for Friday's show, we don't want to do absurd questions again. So we're going to do a segment that's called "Things That Are on Our Mind," which is basically Jared and I ranting about specific subject, subjects. I'm glad you feel you need to explain what things that are on your mind means. <laughs> so um, there's the watering. I'm going to introduce the, the segment, and then the music's going to play, and then Jared's going to say what's on his mind. That's how this works. Yes. All right. So here's things that are on our mind. Shut, shut. I'm talking to you. Come, 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 come. 
fantasy football and bus stops. Thing on my little camera that drops. Jared and Mariah, Joe is a fool. Sometimes they dance naked inside the pools. These are the things on the mind. Be careful of what you'll Things on my mind. On my mind. Things on our minds. Da 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 These are things on our minds. All right, I think I'm going to go first. Is that okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so I have a couple things on my mind. The, the first thing I want to say is this whole Craig Sager thing is just like the most inspirational thing I've, I've ever seen in my life. Craig Sager, for the third time, received, uh, what is it, a bone marrow transfusion? Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't mean to laugh. None of that's funny, but I, I just should not be speaking about medical terms. Um, but just seeing Craig Sager fight the way he's fighting in his battle with leukemia, it's, it's unbelievable in my... I can't even say my hat goes off to him. My heart goes out to him and to his family. And uh, every time I see him, it's been incredible to see him work games still. And he made it out. You know, he made it out to the NBA Finals. He worked some of the playoffs. He was going through so much last season. And the fact that he still, you know, daily, I, I follow two of his children on Twitter and I interact with them semi-frequently. Just to, to see all that he's going through, you know, and that's one of the things about Twitter is it really is a way to, to showcase things like this and to to really get inside look at people it, it's just it's i don't know it's beyond inspirational and it was really cool to see charles barkley made it out to the hospital to visit him um it just my my heart goes out to craig sager and to his family and keep fighting that's that's pretty much what i got on that also on my mind i drafted my big league fantasy football team last night and i've been fighting joe to do a fantasy football preview all freaking summer and he doesn't want to do it and that's fine i get it we shouldn't be the people that, that do fantasy football previews. There's such good fantasy football content out there. But I want to be that guy who everybody loves. I know you all love when people talk about their fantasy football team. So I'm going to do it. Are you okay with that, Joe? It's your, your time to shine, brother. Great. So I got the seventh pick in my draft last night. We do 12 <laughs> teams PPR. And uh, we do two wide receivers, two running backs, a quarterback, and a flex. Obviously a defense and a kicker. Although we were pretty close to getting rid of our kicker last night. And... Uh, with the seventh pick in the draft, it was really hard for me to not take Adrian Peterson. I really didn't want to, to go running back heavy last night. My, my goal was to have three wide receivers in my first four picks. So I go AP, and when it comes back around, I took Mark Ingram. So uh, kind of abandoned my strategy early on. Wait, you took Mark Ingram with your second pick? Yeah, I took Mark Ingram with my second round pick. Dude, he is so, so stable. He caught 50 balls last year and didn't even play a full season. In PPR, the fact that... He is going to get the vast majority of the carries on that team, and he's going to catch balls, and they're a high-octane well, offense. More importantly, what's your what's your team name? Or you can't say it, correct? I can't tell you my team name. Um, it's about it, – it, it focuses around a running back on the New England Patriots. That's all I could say. Um, so LeGarrette Blunt and play on words. Feasibly. So I took Mark Ingram, my second pick, because I didn't really want to reach for – any of the Mike Evans, Alshon, Jeffrey, Keenan Allen types. Ooh, Mike I, Evans isn't going to be a reach this year, buddy. I don't know. I don't know how many balls he can catch. I think Jameis is going to have a really good year, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I didn't, there's still good value for wide receivers in the third round, so I figured if I could still get a guy like Mark Ingram and, and lock down my running backs that early, I wanted to. Although I, I really liked running backs in like the fifth and sixth and seventh rounds even, so I, I didn't want to take a second running back. I just... Did you draft hard. anybody super obscure? Um, like, 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 you know, like everybody tries to find the sleeper guy. 
Like I remember yeah. years ago um, when Danny Woodhead was on the Patriots and he was a running back, but Yahoo listed him as a receiver. And I was like, wow, I could slot. And, I, and that's when running backs used to get the majority of points for your team. Right. I was like, oh, man, I could have – I could start four running backs. So that's – that, and that was my obscure pick like in 2012 or whatever it was or 11. So do you have like any of those like super random guys that like – not too obscure. I, I went with a lot of high upside guys. I'll just rattle off the rest of my team. So AP was my seventh pick, then Mark Ingram in the second round, Jarvis Landry in the third round, Randall Cobb in the fourth, Jordan Matthews in the fifth. I took a gamble on Melvin Gordon in the sixth. I think he's going to get so much of the running back production this year and take a lot of catches away from Danny Woodhead. Uh, after Melvin Gordon, I took Marvin Jones, hoping he breaks out with Detroit. Uh, and then I took my guy. I took Andrew Luck next. I grabbed the quarterback. After Dude, I, his his offensive line's horrible. I worry about him. Yeah, they're bad, but they've always been bad, and they might. They're probably going to throw a lot. I mean, that team is built to throw. I yeah. know Chuck, Chuck Pagano is kind of a terrible coach. It uh, doesn't matter if they win either. It just matters his numbers. So correct. And Andrew Luck's going to put up numbers. So uh, yeah. I actually I went Melvin Gordon in the sixth round, then Andrew Luck seventh, Marvin Jones in the eighth. Came around, took Legarrette Blunt. Michael Thomas, Sean Drone, uh, and then a tight end, I have Zach Miller and Virgil Green. Yeah, Virgil Green. Let me ask you a question, speaking of Virgil Green. Did all three Denver quarterbacks go off the board? Yes, all three of them. They were all taken. Not one Denver quarterback was selected. None of them were selected? Or they were all selected? Of course not. No, they were not. None of them were selected. I was joking. Not one was taken. Wow. Come on, are you kidding? Dude, I think they're going to... Listen, so Denver's my team. So Sanchez isn't going to be the guy for the season. I think everybody quick. agrees that everybody's just holding holding the job until Paxton Lynch is ready. I think if Paxton Lynch gets on the field, Virgil Green's going to have a huge year because he's going to he's going to look to check down a ton. And uh, like I could see Virgil Green having like an eighty reception year, despite like not really playing a ton during his career. You're right. He is twenty eight, and he's done nothing to this point in his NFL career. But you're also getting Trevor Simeon starting for them, who has a good relationship with Green, and they've looked good together in the preseason. Yeah. And I think you're going to get a whole ton of checkdowns from him. So I, I was intrigued when I took Jordan Matthews in the fifth round. I was between him and Emmanuel Sanders, and I love Emmanuel Sanders' talent speaking, but I don't really trust any of the quarterbacks there. No, you I shouldn't. Mean, and and I, I don't I, think there's going to be like a lot of balls for it. Like quality targets for him either. Like he's not going to get ten targets a game, right? I just I don't even know. I don't I don't know how things are going to go for them because the passing game wasn't terrible last year. Even though Peyton Manning was awful and Brock Osweiler wasn't really that good when he played either. But I had Demarius Thomas on my team last year and he still caught you know a hundred balls for thirteen hundred yards or whatever he did. And I know Sanders had a pretty solid year too. So but they're going to be a running team this year. Like, that's you, what I expect. Yeah, like they're going to. Regardless of who the quarterback is, because you you have a really good defense and you can't, you just kind of trust them to to win the game for you and just hope your quarterback's competent enough. Where, like I still like you said, like like last year too, like I still expect Demarius Thomas to have a huge number, a huge season because he's just a special talent. He's too talented. Yeah. So is Sanders. They're too. But the problem is like there's when years. you have that much talent, only one of them's really going to shine. And I imagine like if you're Simeon or Sanchez or Pax Lynch, you're going to be like. All right, I could throw the ball up in, in trouble to Demarius Thomas, and he'll get the ball for me nine out of ten times. They really can't do that with Sanders, right? So yeah, I think the, thinks he'd be the primary target. Virgil Green will be the checkdown guy. Um, their running back situation to me for fantasy football wise is not to go so so. I'm going Super Broncos heavy. It's interesting because I feel like they're going to be by committee more this year than ever. 
since like going back in the day. Like, I feel like they were a big time last year too. Well, well, Ronnie Hillman stepped had, up a little bit. CJ Anderson's weird because like he'll he'll go two yards, two yards, two yards, then he'll break a sixty yarder randomly, and that's what kind of keeps him in the mix. But then they drafted Devontae Booker, and they also have, I don't know if Capri Bibbs made the roster or if he's making the roster um, out of Colorado State, but I do feel like they're going to do at least a three man rotation where each dude's get like twelve touches a game. Yeah, it's it's really weird because you know everything you've heard this offseason has been C.J. Anderson and also Devontae Booker, but I, I can't imagine they kept Ronnie Hillman around. They're not going to use him. I mean, he's been in the mix the last couple of years, and he's their change of pace guy. He's their speed guy. When Anderson's really not a speed guy, and Booker's clearly not. So even if he only gets six touches a game, that's six less touches for Booker or for Anderson. And Anderson's a weird guy because if you watch him play, like his numbers always look good, and this is fine for fantasy football, but like. He's kind of big play guy where, like, he's going to run a bunch of times for two or three yards and then have, like, one giant game that helps his numbers look good. Yeah, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting. They're, they're a team to keep an eye on. I didn't think they were going to be too, octane, too high octane of an offense, so I kind of avoided them at all costs. But I, I do like Virgil Green. I, I do like his potential with, with Simeon. Um, but, yeah, that, that's, that's my team. I reached – my biggest reach was grabbing – Steven Goskowski um, in the 11th round, so people were kind of giving me crap for taking a kicker, but uh, you do what you got to do. Yeah. So, yeah, man, what, what's what's on your mind? All right, so mine's non-sports related. So my daughter went back to school a couple days ago, and I have severe issues with the bus stop. Ooh, back to school, back right. to school. So the bus is supposed to get here at 8.06 a.m. Go what time first, they get there? First day I go to the thing, bus stop with my daughter. We get there early because, you know, she's excited. And yeah, yeah, the bus doesn't get there until 820. All right, fine. First day of school, everything's hectic. Second day of school, 830. Today, we go back to school again, 830. 24 minutes after the alleged bus time. So, so one, I have many complaints about this bus stop. One, the bus comes 24 minutes after it's supposed to. My school is supposed, you're supposed to be in class at nine. My daughter, thanks to the bus, doesn't get into school till two after nine every day. Because she's the first pickup on this bus stop. So by design, she's going to be late for school every day. Thanks a lot, school district. Second, That's terrible. Yeah. So actually today, I'm after the podcast, I'm actually calling um, the school to voice my concerns. Um I'm that guy. But seriously, like, these kids got to be at school on time. It's not, how's my daughter going to become well-educated if she's two minutes late for school every day and the teacher has to wait on them? And that's not my kid's fault and that's not the teacher's fault. It's the system. You know what I mean? But um, second complaint, parents, when you are with your kids at your bus stop, you still have to be a parent. Your kid throwing rocks into the road or onto the ground or, or yelling randomly doesn't mean, like, because there's other parents around, it's their job to do it. Listen, I'll tell you, my this happened last year with my daughter at the bus stop too. It's it's happening this year. There's now there's more people at the bus stop this year. There's I think seven kids, five parents. I have my I bring my youngest daughter with me. She starts school next Thursday or next Wednesday. She comes with me. It's my daughter, and then it's everybody else. And uh, it's just ugly, man. Like these some of these parents, these they don't parent their kid like listen dude my kids are super well behaved um 
it's not like I'm a super disciplinarian either, but like when I say like, hey, Giovanna, don't stand on the wood because there's wood next close to the road because it's too close. She'll be like, okay, daddy. And then she gets off it and then she'll talk to her friend or whatever. But then you have this other kid there. I'm not going to mention his name. I doubt they listen to the podcast anyway. Come but on, man. Call him out by name. Chase. Let's get on blast. Chance, Chance. Chance is his name. Chance. What's his name? Is it Chance or Chase? Chance. I don't, I don't know. It's one of the jokes. Chance. I don't well, like him either way. How old is he? Uh, seven or eight. And, uh, oh, dude, he lives right up the road. It's trouble written all over him. Man, I am kidding. They don't listen to the podcast. His mother just sits, stands there and does nothing, and he's throwing... Like, where the bus stop is, it's in front of a business. And the business has, like, the, like a nice rock set up there in front of it, like a, like a decoration. And he's picking up the rocks and just chucking them all over, and she never says anything. One How of the other rocks? Big. Like, they're not even rocks. They're like, I don't know what they are. Like, because they break apart when they hit the ground. And <laughs> one of the other mothers had to say something, this, said something this morning, and I'm glad she did because, like, I, I, I just don't have it in me to say something. And then, like, the other, and Chance's mother, like, gave her the dirty eye. And it's just, no, Chance's mom, say something to your kid. Your kid's being bold. One, it could hurt another one of these kids. Two, this is that company's piece of property. Jeez, man. So, like, you know, man, parents, parents, some of you stink. Yeah, we should put parents on that that don't look good next Yeah, week. you know, parents, you're on, you're on, what's, what's it called? You're on lock, you're on check. What is it? I have no idea what Yeah, you're, you're on my say. radar, crappy parents. Yeah, you're on lock, on check, on Joe's radar. Yeah, Chance's chance. mom. Freaking Chance, man. I knew it. Oh, dude, he's going to be a disaster. If we still have this podcast six years from now, I promise you, we're going to be talking about Chance again and something way more evil. I have him pegged already. Pegged. He's either going to be a combination of a bully and a troublemaker or just a straight-up degenerate. Wow. Right? Seven-year-old, I'm already defining his life. Yeah, low ceiling for Chance. Yeah. Well, then again... Low ceiling it means he when if he exceeds expectations, even only by a little bit, we'll be really proud of Chance. <laughs> All right, man. I'm think, so God. I hope I don't think they do. I don't even think they know my name. So I really hope that they listen. No, no. Can you ask them to listen? Uh, what like tomorrow morning when I see them at the bus stop? It well, tomorrow morning be tomorrow. I can't because it's Saturday. But uh, right. on Monday morning. Well, yeah, you, got that, you got that going for you. If they do listen, you're not going to have to see them again until Tuesday, so they'll probably have forgotten. Oh, I think this would be something they remember. Me calling out a seven-year-old kid on a podcast. Yeah, you, I mean, you're talking about his future as a human being, so... Wait, right, let, me, let me, seriously, though, you, the little information you have on Chance, over under, does he have a successful life? Oh, man. Or not um, over under, what's the odds he has a successful life? I mean, I would take the under, that's fine. I think we can over under his life of success and chalk it up to failure. Oh, I'm going to tell you right now, about, there's... Whatever, however many kids at the bus stop, mine are definitely the most well-behaved. Another kid's, you know, the mom that yelled today, her daughter's very well-behaved. And then the other kids are all debacles. One of the wow. parents left their kid at the bus stop yesterday because the bus was taking too long to get there. Just left. Who leaves, their kid, the kid? Un- who leaves their kid unattended at a bus stop? How old is the kid? Again, seven or eight. Jeez, man. Because they all go to, the, it's, it's called the Intermediate Center or whatever. It's, it's a school where only like first through third graders go or something. So, um, and all the kids in the neighborhood are roughly the same age. But, uh, like, I mean, like, what if, what if one of the, one of those guys, uh, people at the bus stop were a creeper? I mean, you're there, so. Yeah. Well, what if I'm a creeper? <laughs> the, the point was, there's no what if. Anyway, I'm Jared. Joe, thanks so much for, uh, airing out Chance and talking about your bus stop you're, situation. Yeah, you're on my radar, Chance. I see I hope, you. 
I hope the bus starts coming earlier for... for no, it doesn't matter. We're changing. What we're doing is when my daughter starts school next, my other daughter starts school next week, she has to be at school for 8.30, so I'm taking Giovanna to my in-laws at 8.15 so I could, I could drive the other daughter to school for 8.30. So they, she won't even be at this bus stop starting Wednesday. Damn bus stop. You had a chance and you blew it. Oh, good plan. Man. Oh, chance. I, that actually was totally incidental. I did not mean that. Baloney. You emphasize chance. You, you were totally in the moment. You were like, yeah, I got this all lined up. I appreciate the props, but I swear to God. Anyway, I'm Jared. Thank you guys so much for listening. Hope you guys guys have a great Labor Day weekend. You could find me on Twitter at Jamin's Hoops. Uh, you could read my writings at todaysfastbreak.com. I haven't really written much lately because I've been uh, a busy man, but uh, Joe Joe writes a lot. Read Joe stuff. Joe, tell the people where they could find you. Uh, at Joseph Nardone, N-A-R-D-O-N-E. Uh, today's Fast Break. Today's you. Um, I also, to piggyback before we go, um, echo your thoughts with Craig Sager, also Chris Mortensen. Yeah, um, oh my goodness. That was the best news all week. Yeah, so... Um, yeah, man, go head into the weekend, positive spirits, everybody be safe this week. There we go. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps. No one's clicking, no one's clicking. Their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers, not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow, no tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny, I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you, I find it too hot to take. When people blog in circles, it's a very, very mad world. 